We are back. Uh, we promised you uh, on, on last week's show we were going to talk a little bit about polls, uh, and we have been very skeptical about what you've been reading in the papers and on the web about uh, the actual status of the horse race that is an electoral campaign in the U.S. We're very skeptical about the so-called wide lead that George Bush has, mainly in the Electoral College, but even more skeptical about this, well, what is actually a meaningless nationwide summary of who is ahead. You've heard that Bush is ahead by as much as 13 points. We don't believe it. At this point, let's... uh, Let's, uh, let's go now to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, to talk to our uh, good friend, poll watcher, Jerry Polikoff. I'm here. Jerry, uh, you've been getting all the numbers from Zogby and others, and uh, we've been trying to inform our readers of what's really going on on a state-by-state basis since these overall polls, uh, well, it, are meaningless. But the question is, uh, you know, what are these state-by-states really telling us? Uh, the way I read it, uh, Kerry's still um, a little bit ahead in a tight race, but... Uh... You know, a few months ago, it looked like uh, it, it, it looked like he was running away with the Electoral College. I don't Except think. that even a couple months ago, it was not reported that way. It was not reported. It has that never way. been reported that way in the mainstream press. No, but there are a lot of states where it looked like he was pulling away, like Pennsylvania and uh, New Hampshire, where uh, it's it's really hard to tell because the polls, as you say, the polls almost become meaningless because they're all saying radically different things. I mean, there are polls showing him, uh, I'm sorry, winning New Hampshire by seven, eight, or nine points, and there are polls showing Bush one or two points ahead. Uh, and it's a little bit, I mean, I'm, I'm at the point now where I'm starting to trust uh, Zogby a little bit more than the others. Even well, when people are it. asking the question of how can we trust polls, uh, and, and, and this today, or yesterday's um, USA Today, September 29th, page 6a, Gallup defends result against moveon.org attack. Uh, they actually took out a, a full-page ad in the New York Times saying that these Gallup polls showing this this 13-point lead by Bush over Kerry, which does not seem to be reflected in other polls, um, you know, is suspicious. Well, you know, I think it's even suspicious that uh, if you read the USA Today article, the big problem with Gallup has been whatever methodology they're using they're coming up with seven or eight percent more Republicans than Democrats in their sample, and they don't do any weighting. Um, and and certainly when they get to the likely voters, it's seven or eight percent more Republicans. In this poll, there were actually a larger percentage of Republicans in their sample than in the last poll. And yet, in the last poll, they showed Bush ahead by thirteen. In this poll, they showed Bush ahead by eight. So something tells me, with all the criticism, Gallup's been in for a lot of criticism. Uh, today there was, you know, you pointed out even USA Today had an article talking about the uh, uh, criticism they're getting, and that's that's uh, rather important because it's a uh, USA Today CNN commission poll. Uh, so they're feeling the heat, and it was a, an article that pretty much defended what uh, uh, defended Gallup's methodology. We've been critical of this. We're not alone. A man named Rui Texera, you sent me an email from him. He's a senior fellow at the Century Foundation and the Center for American Progress. Had an article on the web last week referring to a Democracy Corps poll uh, showing Bush ahead by one. Pew Research Center, dead tie, Harris That's Interactive. Right. Uh, and you Bush- know, it's interesting. Those polls are the polls that are uh, using sample weighting right, but to the- try to bring their, their samples into line with the general population. Um, I thought it was interesting that, that uh, USA Today was talking about the fact that Gallup is doing this for years and 
you know, their track record counts for something, but they don't get it right. I mean, they were off by four percentage points in the 2000 election. Well, that should give us, get everybody paused before they go accepting, you know, what the data is out there. Now, what, the next Zogby is coming out when? The next Zogby is coming out uh, next week. Well, then why don't, we, why don't we plan on next Thursday's show to really go through and see where the trend seems to be as we center in on the last month of the campaign in October? Well, that'll be interesting, too, because we'll have one debate under our uh, belt. Yes, and a, lot, a lot's going to depend on what happens in the next uh, you know, an hour from now when the two of these guys go at it. I think Frank Lutz is one. I was listening to uh, Al Franken today, and uh, they were talking about uh, Frank Lutz, who you and I were talking about earlier. And I was a little, I, it's interesting that, that uh, Al Franken took up the same subject today. I mean, I, it, Well, good. Frank, I'm glad it's catching fire here. Is <laughs> Well, Frank Lentz apparently is going to be doing the analysis of the debate, and Frank Lentz is, uh, it's interesting that they call him an independent pollster because he's a Republican pollster and he's a Republican strategist and was uh, one of his uh, major mentors with Newt Gingrich. You and I tend to think conspiratorially at times, <laughs> and I did know... Well, Frank know, Lentz helped to write the contract for America. Well, uh, yeah, well, okay, yes, <laughs> and, and also uh, on the supposedly opposite side of the street, Pat Cadell, noted Democratic pollster, has been appearing on Fox uh, with Hannity and Combs and Ann Coulter saying things like, well, if, if the Democrats are involved with this falsification of documents, the election's over and we're in even bigger trouble because we're collaborating with this. It's like completely <laughs> towing the Fox line as opposed Democratic pollster. So I don't know what happened to Pat Cadell, but uh, I, did, I did go on the web and find that Richard Reardon's campaign for governor... 2001, he ran in 2002, or, or, or was, was uh, edged out in the, in the primary mm -hmm. by, uh, by Bill Simon. Well, Reardon had a couple Democrats come on board to help him with his campaign. <laughs> Pat Cadell. Pat Cadell. <laughs> and Susan Estrich, the woman that ran Michael Dukakis's campaign into the ground in 1988. And with that kind of help, maybe it's no surprise that Dick Reardon didn't get the nomination. This has absolutely no statistical validity of any sort. Uh, and any pollster would totally throw it out the window. But I know people all over the country. I talk by email to people all over the country. I know no one, and I know of no one who knows anyone, who voted for Al Gore in 2000, who was planning this time to vote for Bush. And I know many people, and many people I know know many people, who voted for George Bush who were planning to vote for Kerry. And I just think it's very interesting that, that nobody, anybody knows, knows anyone that's going to vote for Bush that voted for Gore. Well, Jerry, I may bring my mom back on the show. Last month's show, she came on. She's never voted for a, a Democrat for president <laughs> in her life, and she's voting for John Kerry. Well, she's voting against George W. Bush. I have an old girlfriend that, that I, I, I dated for eight years. The only thing we ever fought about was politics. She's like, <laughs> I died in the world Republican, and she's voting Democratic this year for the first time in her life. Well, that's a very unrepresentative sampling, what we just cited, but it may be, <laughs> it may be telling. So we'll talk about it again next week. Sounds good. Jerry, thanks. Bye-bye. That was uh, our friend poll watcher, Jerry Polikoff from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Okay, I'm sure that a lot of you are anticipating the debates. Well, the first debate that's going to take uh, place tonight between uh, Senator John Kerry and President George W. Bush we were looking for some special insight into that, and I, I think we have a wonderful correspondent to, to give us that. Heather Dahl is managing editor of the Capitol Hill Bureau of Public Radio International. And a few years back, in the year 2000, as you know, Jim Lehrer was the moderator for the Gore-Bush uh, debates. She, at that time, was foreign affairs and defense uh, correspondent for the NewsHour with Jim Lehrer, and that's something to do with those debates. Heather, are you there? Yes, I am. 
Well, uh, welcome to Radio Parallax. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So you've been a part of this uh, this high-tension process of uh, presidential debate. I have been. When I worked for Jim Lehrer at the News Hour, he was asked to moderate all three of the presidential debates in 2000. And so what I did there is work as his researcher looking into issues in regards to foreign policy. Specifically at the time, I looked a lot at what was going on in Kosovo, but also a little bit forward-looking as to what the candidates' policies might be regarding the Middle East. Now, foreign policy was not one of the key issues that they, I think either party wanted to talk a lot about in the year 2000, but they, uh, they did talk about it a little bit. The second debate, um, if you go back and look at the transcripts, the entire second debate focused on what was going on in the world, uh, what they wanted to do with the Middle East, and what they thought about issues like nation building or what was going on in Africa. What I did for Jim Lehrer was go back and look at some of these issues and research them for him. The way he ran the debates is he has a full staff at the news hour, and he asked each individual reporter to look and do research into their specialty. So at the time, I focused on Kosovo and nation building. So that was the particular areas that I was looking at at doing some research and finding out what both candidates had said on the campaign trail regarding those issues. Were you surprised when you when you gave Jim Lehrer a question and he used it to any of the answers that came back out of Bush or Gore? Well, what's interesting is the process is two things. Lehrer comes into your at the case into your office and he operates on a need-to-know basis so your conversations with Jim Lair between he and you and you're not allowed to talk to anyone else in the organization about what he asks you so you're sitting in your office not knowing what your colleague who focuses on Medicare is researching uh-huh. what he asks us to do is he says I'm thinking about these issues such as how many times the United States has intervened in conflicts around the world since, oh, 1960. So what one does is come up with a list of all those conflicts the U.S. has been involved in, and then what you saw on the debate was he asked Gore and Bush and went down the list and asked him, Haiti, would you have gone or not? Mm-hmm. Kosovo, the Falkland Islands. So he went through the whole list, and that's where you realize, wow, I sat there and and double-check that list to make sure that every single one was on there. Right. Because if it wasn't, there would be a lot of people to point it out to you. Right. Why didn't you ask about X? Right. Well, why, why, why the cloak-and-dagger aspect of this? Why, why is it such a secret? Well, you don't want the candidates to find out. And the okay. more people that know, the more people talk. And so the way he operates is you put all the information that he requests from you into at the time into a manila envelope that was slipped underneath his door only Jim Lair knows and he says sometimes his wife but only Jim Lair knows the questions that the candidates will be asked at the debate I mean, it's, it's a small town Washington DC mm-hmm. and a slight, slight slip of a question over let's say talking with a friend at Starbucks could, yeah. could be sent right to a campaign and help Kerry and Bush prepare. And that's something that Jim Lair wants to make sure it does not happen. Therefore, this almost CIA intelligence operation that goes on at the news hour leading up to the debate. Did you notice anybody in a trench coat in the Starbucks kind of uh, with a, with a uh, no, cocktail? No, but um, 
I did have a couple experiences where campaigns did call to offer their assistance <laughs> if I needed any help doing my job. And uh, fortunately, I was perfectly capable with my job. But it's a very sensitive subject, and Jim Lehrer goes into that debate. He has gone over every single word and every single question and his potential follow-up questions for the candidates, and only he knows. The Commission on Presidential Debates does not know what Jim Lehrer will ask the candidates. It's that secret. So when he comes in with his own written-out cards, he's the only one that sees them the whole debate. There's no teleprompter or anything. Wow. So you were not actually physically present at the debate? No, no. I, you know... When, when you're behind the scenes, you sit at home and you do all the work you can to prepare your boss to go out mm-hmm. there and shine. And you sit at home and you're waiting to see what he asks. And sometimes you see what you've toiled over or information that you've researched or talked with them about. And you go, wow, that's why he's asked me those questions. So the entire news hour staff sits there to see if one of their questions or one of their ideas actually makes it into the debate. How many of your direct, uh, direct questions did you think got into the debate? Oh, I'm not going not gonna to rain on Jim Lehrer's parade. <laughs> so uh, it's kind of like the boss gets to take the credit for the work of his staff. Oh, that's broadcast journalism. I, it's probably kind of just about everything in the world, I think, every, yes. every job. Yes. But I think what's important looking back at that experience and looking back at the transcripts I did just before we're talking... Um, it's interesting looking at the nuances of answers that the candidates gave, and it reminds me, you sit there and you watch the debate, and all of a sudden you decide afterwards who won, who was right, who was wrong. But I think when you go back the next day and read the transcripts, or perhaps several years later and read the transcripts, it's very interesting to see what kind of foreshadowing goes on in their answers. Well, speaking of that, you were focusing in on the nation-building issues, and of course, at least one of the candidates did become president, George Bush. Uh, how do you think his answers on the nation-building issues then stacked up with the nation-building that's or has taken place since? Well, he said that the U.S. didn't do nation-building. Uh huh. So I guess it would be up to the individual to decide if what's going on in Iraq is actually building a nation or not. <laughs> well, so far the scar cry doesn't look so good. Well, it's up to the individual people. I mean, the other thing that Jim Lehrer asked uh, President Bush, then Governor Bush, in the debates is he said, you could get him out of there, referring to Saddam Hussein, and Bush's immediate answer was, I'd like to, of course. Hmm. Yes. It has a whole new meeting in 2004. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Uh, who's, who's running the debate this, uh, this time? Who's today? Who's, who's not Jim Lear again, is it? Um, I, think it I think tomorrow's supposed to be security, and to be quite honest, I didn't look to see if it was Jim the first night up. Okay, he, but he's, in the, I ro- know, he's, in, he's he, in the rotation. He's in the rotation. Well, I think it's important for people to know that the moderator is just that. The, pre- the Commission on Presidential Debates is looking for someone to come in and just ask the questions. Mm-hmm. Um, the candidates have respective representatives who go to the commission and set up the rules. The moderator is not involved with making the rules. He just finds that he understands the rules. Mm-hmm. So the last debate, um, there was some concern, especially the first debate, that perhaps 
uh, Vice President Gore was not following the rules and that the moderator wasn't enforcing them. But the moderator, the moderator at the time said, you know, I'm not the policeman. The candidates know the rules. They have said they will abide by the rules, and I'm here to ask the questions and get the information out of people. I don't, I don't remember that. What, what was Al Gore accused of? Well, he was accused of hogging time and yeah. jumping in after his time was over. Mm-hmm. And so people were saying that he wasn't following the rules. Hmm. Um, each candidate goes into the rep- debate with set amount of time that they're allowed to respond, how long they get to rebut, if they get to rebut an answer, what order they're going to go in, whether they're going to sit down or stand at a podium, mm-hmm. whether they can get up out of their chair or move around the podium, whether a candidate films them while they're, ans- while they're listening to the other candidate's answer, mm-hmm. um, Exquisite detail, it sounds like. Down to the lighting, to the makeup, to how Jim Lair will move. Will he sit in a chair in front of him? (laughs) Will his chair swivel? All those things are considered by the commission and both candidates. When will the candidates enter? From what side will the candidates enter? So when it comes down to it, when you look at the debate, this was not the debate set up by the moderator. It was a debate that was the terms were agreed to by both candidates. And when you say commission, we're talking about basically people from both parties. Well, the Commission on Presidential Debates is a private organization. Okay. It evolved out of the League of Women Voters used to do the debates, and eventually the commission came in, and they're a nonpartisan group that works as a a go-between between both parties to set up the location, the dates, how many interviews, what format will the interviews, will they be open-ended on topic, yeah. or will they be restricted to certain policy questions. Um, but for the most part, the candidate, the moderators, make the decision on what topics they're going to talk about. And it's always been moderator's choice. No one has ever required a moderator to focus on just certain topics in a debate. Hmm. Well, Heather Dahl, it's been a very interesting talk with you about about the debates. As they proceed, would you please come back and maybe talk to us again as to how they're going? Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. All right. Interesting stuff. Once again, that was Heather Dahl, Managing Editor of the Capitol Hill Bureau of Public Radio International. Let's take a break. You're listening to Radio Parallax. This is KDVS 90.3 FM. I'm Douglas Everett. Stay tuned for our next segment where we'll talk with our old friend Gary Chu about some cinematic efforts. 